0: Uh, this is Tim Tim And I'm talking to Adam on FilmWax. Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio. It is Friday, the 31st of July, 2020. This is episode 627. And uh, I'm happy to invite back to the podcast a friend, delightful person, Funny, genuine. His name is Joshua Burge. I met him some years ago. He was. I have a regular guest on my show named Joel Petrikas, who's made a series of, of independent films, and they've collaborated in most of those films. Josh has starred in a number of uh, Joel's films, and so I met him through that series of films. But he came on with Joel uh, a couple of years ago. We we're at South by Southwest with uh, their most recent collaboration called the Relaxer. That would have been episode 543, if you're looking for it. We're both stuck at our homes. This was during the, let would say, towards the middle or something of this, uh, the, the real serious stage, let's call it, of our quarantining. Meaning that those first months, we were pretty much scared straight into uh, staying put inside and not really going out unless you had to. And by the way, we're probably, all of that is probably was a waste of time because we're going to probably because we're the country's just as bad a shape right now and we'll probably have to go back into that well of course we won't because the there's no mandate for it but we should we should all be getting back home as a country and staying put for another round but i digress i digress anyway I, i i just can tell you that this is a fun episode we're chatting about life and and everything and and You know, you're stuck inside, you're watching a lot of television, you're watching a lot of um, stuff online, and so we kind of talk about that to some extent. There's no project, we're not really uh, plugging anything in this episode other than just having a nice conversation. Check out Josh, I guess his most known film was The Revenant, which was a few years back now, but he played Stubby Bill in The Revenant. If you haven't seen The Revenant, that's the one where Leonardo wrestles with the bear you remember that Uh, all right listen um before we get into the episode i do want to mention you know film wax radio started in 2011 so let's see we're going up to our ninth anniversary i guess as a as a show we have lost over the years a few people a few guests a few friends of the show it just came to my attention this week that earlier in the month we lost another friend of the podcast i wasn't aware of it at the time I missed that uh, when when he died on July 2nd, Then today is the 31st, so uh, this is the first time I'm mentioning it. Kevin Rafferty was a co-director of the Atomic Cafe, which enjoyed a re-release a a couple of years ago, and I had the filmmakers on the podcast, including Kevin. He was only 73 years old, but he passed away. And um if you want to go hear it, it's uh, episode five hundred one in which he guest appeared with uh along with um Jane Loder and Pierce Rafferty, his brother and um I'm sorry about this passing my condolences go out to his family, but now let's uh, on that light note, we will go into the episode with Joshua Burge again a delightful delightful man delightful fellow. We, I, I think, had a great time doing this podcast. Here it is, Joshua Burge on FilmWax Radio. Hey, Adam. Hey, Josh. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, right, how you doing? Yeah, not bad for an old guy. Oh, are you talking for me or for yourself? I, I think we're both in the same boat, my friend. I don't know. You look pretty young a bit. I've gotten old and fat. Yeah, well, things aren't always what they seem. <laughs> oh, lights and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I'll show you one thing here. If you can see on the side here, see those bottom? Mm-hmm. It's not the guitar, but... But for the guitar,
1: I've been enjoying your playing, by the way,
0: yeah, a great thank deal. You. Thank you for that. But um, I'm getting better, you know. Like I'm seeing improvement. Those are boxes. I'm moving. You're and moving. Like, I only bring it up because I'm going to be like you know upstate. I'm going to be in the much in the much more of a bucolic spot. So. Oh really? Where are you going upstate? Yeah. Uh, just a couple of hours north, of uh, to a bunker in a <laughs> <laughs> undisclosed location. Trendy um, these days. What's that? It's trendy these days yeah go into a bunker <laughs> right exactly i i'm I'm hip as they say, so uh exactly those anybody who describes themselves as hip of course, is the furthest thing from hip, but um now, I'm moving up to like um an area called well, the town is called Tivoli, New York, okay, and it, you know Bard college, yes, you know you would hang out with some scamps
1: yeah well i never <laughs> yeah, I never spent time there, but I do know of it. Yeah, I, I love Upstate New York. You know, my sister was born in Rochester.
0: Oh, I did not know that. But that's yeah,
1: cool. and uh, a lot, a lot of my family's from uh, Upstate New York. Okay, but that's real Upstate New York. Yeah, that's real Upstate. But I, but my family, you know, like they that's... they yeah, they, I have a lot of relatives in the city as well. But you know, it's just it's, yeah,
0: <laughs> family in Syracuse and Ithaca and whatever. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, our snow belt. It's called the snow belt, and it's that ninety, from like Albany all the way to Buffalo. Yeah, and you go through those towns we just mentioned. You know, like, well, Ithaca is off the bean path. That's a little south, but uh, Rochester, yes. I think, is just due north. Uh, that's on the belt. It's and, very
1: strange because my family all uprooted from Western Upstate New York, where yeah. it's snow belt, and then they went to Michigan and the western coast of Michigan, yeah. off the. Like, I don't know what the point was exactly, but... <laughs> I
0: don't know. It's just on the, all the way on the other side of the Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah. Although, the, I guess that part of New York, you're closer to the Finger Lakes, but it's pretty. I, I mean, Michigan's great, you know. I've been there a bunch of times, and, you know, I've always loved my visits. I was there yeah, last summer for the Traverse City Film Festival. Yeah, Traverse City's beautiful. You know, I, I, I spent my
1: almost almost my entire life in Michigan. And, and uh, I never went to Traverse City until two years ago, right before I moved to Los Angeles. Oh. <laughs> uh, when, uh, uh, we had a film in the, in the Traverse City Film Festival. Actually, I had, was in two films that were playing in there. And that was my first time there. I was like, this place is gorgeous. Why did I never go there?
0: Well, and it's, it's where Michiganders go on vacation, too. It's like, uh, you know, it's oh, a unique place. Yeah. Most- it's a unique spot. We did a drive. A friend of mine who lives in uh, Bay City, you know, uh, you know Alan Lefe- Lefebvre? Uh, yeah, not personally, but yeah, yeah. He's I think I connected guy. I, I don't know, but he, he he's uh, runs the film festival in Bay City, Michigan, the Hell's Half Mile Music and Film Festival.
1: Oh right, right, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So it's a great little festival too. Sounded a little patronizing. It's a nice little festival. Whoa! It is. It is. It <laughs> is. <Yeah. laughs> well, Carver City, you know, it's sizable. I mean, it's jam-packed with films, but it is a fun place. So I, I missed you because you were there the year before, but this I went last summer.
1: And, oh, okay. Um,
0: you know, and then Alan and I took a drive uh, down the, penin- uh, up the peninsula and everything. It was fantastic
1: yeah I, and, and i was uh i just the last thing i worked on before uh the quarantine and everything happened uh was a show for hulu and uh uh barry watson was uh the star of the show and he, I I he was remember. great and uh he it turns out we we're talking to him on set he's from traverse city and oh he he's owns a cottage there outside this outside the city and uh that's where him and his wife are, I guess. They've, they've been there for the past three months. He got, yeah. got out of L.A. And, and went back to which I envied a great deal once I heard that. Barry's a great um, dude. He's a great guy. What neighborhood What neighborhood are you in in L.A.? Uh, I am in East Hollywood, Town, Los Feliz. So it's kind of like uh, where all those places come to meet. Franklin and Normandy. I don't okay. There's lots of things on Franklin Normandy, so I don't think that's specific enough. If you want to come?
0: No, now, I mean, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, my, my, my kid is there now. My son, he's... Yeah, 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 yeah. How's he, how's he doing? I wouldn't know. I don't talk to the guy. Yeah, I don't well, No, he doesn't, you know, our conversations are... He's 16, so, you know, the, the conversations are never that long. And I'm always just looking up his nose because whenever I call him and do a FaceTime, he's on a game. He's just gaming all the time. Oh, really? He's a gamer? Oh, so, and he holds his phone like this, and he's gaming, and all I can do is see up his nose. It's,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: just yeah, yeah. this move? You, yeah. Hey, man. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, the arms, with the arms going, you know. Yeah, yeah. He put, must put, maybe he puts his phone down. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's annoying. That's all I do know. Anyway.
1: Well, uh, I, I, I'm assuming he's all right, man, and I hope that he's all right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, what have you heard? All, all things considered, uh, as far as you know, whatever really you hear in the news or whatever, I, I, my interpretation of what's going on in Los Angeles is that it has been pretty peaceful and people have been pretty caring and loving this entire time since early March, and uh, I, 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 I've been actually, unfortunately, surprised and impressed about uh, right, right. the humanity of uh, Angelinos. Well,
0: that's good. Um, I mean, you know, I think that people were, for the most part, until about May or June. You know, like it's they were people were kind of terrified. So, you know, there was so such a lack of information that uh, people were just really behaving themselves by by and large. And now, with more and more information, and then stati- you know, numbers drop. You're finding people are getting a little looser, and I don't know. I'm worried about it, but that's why. Well, I'm, I mean,
1: everything has a shelf life, right? Yeah, you know, there was only so much time that they were going to be able to have everybody stay isolated. Like, right. that's not really human nature. No, it's not it's at human all. Nature. Like, that's,
0: human nature is to get a little bit lazy after a while, like just to kind of say, okay, I've done my time. Now I'm going to go back and do, you know, and just hope for the best.
1: But also, we, we just we love being around people, you know, I mean, it's the reason that we had the punishment that we have in society is to take people out of society. <laughs> you know, you and isolate this? them and separate yeah. them. Like that's there's a reason psychologically that we uh do that. Right. And but so to do this? that to the entire populace
0: is it's only gonna last for so long. I suppose, but don't you find this uh I don't know, don't you find this kind of communicating and hanging out to be satisfying enough? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, Not at all.
1: Well, <laughs> I love I love Skype. I, I bless it since years ago when I was separated from my family and my friends skype was the greatest invention ever to be able to communicate and hang out with
0: yeah people.
1: or zoom as not we're using it whatever right but uh, there is nothing like being in a room with a person and actually having human contact there's that that's, very, that's
0: radical, very radical thing to say and um, wow where were, when was <laughs> you, when, <laughs> when were you uh, away from everybody what was that about when you were shooting a the revenant, yeah, yeah,
1: when I was up in Canada for uh, several months, um, so that was the first time that I was really away from my family and friends since oh wow, probably ever I mean I, you know for the most part i, I you know I'd go to, I, to New York or Chicago or Pittsburgh or Cleveland or where you know I go all over you know, but right. like the first time that I was like contractually obligated to be away from my family yeah. right was that those months in Canada and and uh I I was very thankful in that instance for Skype and whatever technology oh, yeah. had to right. stay in contact and see each other but it was not the same as actually being in the room with them of course you
0: no know, and in some ways it makes you yearn more
1: oh yeah very much so
0: because you know you you kind of get a glimpse at what's on the other side of the fr- uh screen but it's it feels very, it's you know, dissatisfying on some level too. But but yeah, it, yeah. Well, it's it, yeah. It's, uh, it, I,
1: not to oversimplify it, but it is like you know, the grass is always greener. It's kind of like you look on the screen. It's like wait, wait, what's going on over there? And you want to go through the screen, you know, and see everybody. And, you know,
0: just, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Maybe if we had much bigger, you know, expansive. Uh, like I have, for instance. This is almost like an eye exam, but I, can, I don't know. If oh, can. right, the wide angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna. Those make are cool, man. Small.
1: Uh, yeah, my mom gave me one for Christmas, actually, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I got it I go for the out, phone. Right under right my phone, and it, and then I can take wide angle and just covers
0: everything. It's, I know, it's but it's sort of stuck. But I'm going up to the so I'm moving, and you know, the certainly there's a number of things that kind of just. Uh, Or experiences or instances that converged at once, which kind of motivated me to get on it. I've been thinking, I've been wanting to get out of the city. So I was going to, one idea was potentially Los Angeles, but my ex, you know, she's coming back when they wrap on this um, series, this series she's working on. And my son is just there for the, um, you know, for the summer with, he has a sister and they're all there. So I figured, well, yeah. if i got there, then I'm just going to be. Even though know, I have a circle of friends and associates and colleagues, what have you, I'm going to be completely cut off. Come, you know, in a few months later when they come back in the late fall or whatever. Yeah, if
1: you were to go to Los Angeles,
0: you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and I have a mother who's in a nursing home here. You know, she's very, uh, she has very advanced dementia, so it's very. So then I thought, well, okay. And the other thing is, I'm actually in what was my father. Well, it is my father's apartment. He passed away and so my i thought well if i move i don't want to be spending 2500 dollars a month on a tiny bed one bed you know it's just it's painful so i just i you know i just thought well let me take an apartment a little north of the city and um so i found a place and um you know what's good about it is i could just take whatever i want to keep and just put it all in a truck and just go and then just bring it it's you know just. Set it up instead of worrying about like what do I do with everything? When I went to LA, what am I going to do? Drive a truck out there? You know, it just made no sense right now. Right. Yeah, no,
1: it's uh, uh it's 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 kind of crazy to. I, I admire you for relocating as you are, but I, I can't imagine. Uh, it was two years ago that I relocated permanently to Los Angeles, and that was uh not an easy time to okay you know in general now i can't imagine what it'd be like right now to relocate to a major city
0: heaven (laughs) well i haven't started the next phase i may have a harder time than i'm i'm excited about it but i may have a hard time and you know we are still working out a lot of logistics about fall and all that you know yeah You know, my son does have school, but I don't know what that's going to look like, so he does not want to live upstate, you know, so it's, uh, you know, even though I'm not that far. Did he grow to- up in the city? What? Did he grow up in, 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 in the, in yeah, the city? Bro- yeah, in Brooklyn, yeah. In
1: Brooklyn, yeah,
0: okay. And his high school's in Brooklyn, and his friends are, you know, more or less in Brooklyn, so. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I don't know, at 16, you know how important your friends are, it's like. Well, so, I didn't have friends when I was 16, but yes, I, I,
1: theoretically, yes. I, I, I,
0: I, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, one day I'm going to have a podcast. <laughs> then I was beaten to, the, beaten to the ground shortly after that remark. Um, actually, I always had a good sense of humor, and I learned pretty quick how, I know this is a cliche a lot of people say it, it's tr- comedians how they use it to, you know, they're uncomfortable and they use it as an icebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Non-stop, by the way. Oh yeah, I mean, it's helicopters here in LA. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I got my
1: window shut. It's, just, it's non-stop helicopter, sounds.
0: Anyway, uh, yeah. but I mean, I learned like there was a, I just learned real quick that it was a, a disarming tool. Well yeah, I mean that's kind of
1: um and see it's it's like a double edged sword a bit because uh I was never like a very big kid at all. I was actually quite uh small for my yeah. age growing up. And um when I was young and I get bullied or whatever, I developed an a cerbic tongue. Oh okay. I became a mouthy little brat is what yeah. essentially what happened. That was my defense mechanism. I didn't other way. And I never really got rid of that into adulthood. So it still gets me in a great deal of trouble all the time. <laughs> it's like, man, I really should have outgrown that. And I still haven't because it, it became such a developed thing. Yes. Uh, whatever it was, reptilian like brain, the, the primate, whatever part of my brain, you know, like it just I developed that as a, a fight or flight thing that right. – and and I still have it, and it gets me in trouble a great deal often, but yeah, sure. it is what it is.
0: Right. There, there's worse things. It's a, it's your own little Tourette's problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, it is. It
1: is often like Tourette's. Like I just, I, as soon as I, I say I, something, as soon as I, I like, almost feel it coming out of my mouth, and as soon as I, s I'm just. I automatically, I right away, I know, like, that's the dumbest thing you could have said right now. now. Yeah.
0: I have had those, too, <laughs> you know. though. I've only had that with, like, famous people, though, where I'm trying to impress them, but I say absolutely the most passive-aggressive thing that I could possibly think of. I brought this up with somebody else recently. Where once I was in Stockholm, and I, I'm in an, in a hotel, a nice hotel, and Jerry Seinfeld, was huh. in the hotel at the same time. And he had just recently finished uh, ended the series, you know, and he was, was doing his first special. And he did it in Stockholm. You can look it up. It's Yeah, it's, no, like, I know what you're talking about, yeah. I don't know why, but it was Stockholm. So, And he was staying in the hotel. So it was only a matter of time I was going to be on the elevator. He was on there with two of his comedian friends. And um, we're in this little elevator. And of all the things I could have said... <laughs> Because we made eye contact, I said, "I thought you were canceled." (laughs) What? What I was thinking? First of all, it's not even clever. Doesn't make sense. But I said that to him, and he kind of went, "Ah, ah, ah," like you know how he does. Yeah, yeah. he has that. Uh, (laughs) And it was totally deserved. My parents, when I told them, they thought he was obnoxious. But I'm like, you're skipping over the part where your perfect son was very said a very sarcastic thing about his, you know, and... what uh, wonder if that was before the, after the Larry King
1: appearance. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? When he was on Larry King, Larry Oh, King. yeah, and he went off on that.
0: How does it feel getting canceled? Right, yeah. Like, we weren't canceled, Larry. We well, yeah, went on number one. Do you know who I am? Yeah, yeah, it's a great... <laughs> if you're watching this, and I know you are, pause <laughs> us and go right to the YouTube and watch that. It's unbelievable. Because he doesn't let up on it, he he ends up. No, no, he goes
1: right to commercial until
0: yeah, 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 yeah. But no, yeah, he, he it's like, it's yeah, yeah. Larry King. Because I mean, what did Jerry's <laughs> Larry King for you know? Um, but that that's right. It's very <laughs> canceled. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what. It, you're I, the number one show in the country, Larry. <laughs> you're right. Seventeen million people on an average night. Larry. <laughs> 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 yeah, so good. Who is this person? Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the moment I said it, I'm like that, I just, you know, you feel the heat rising and you're sweating. It was just ridiculous. Thank God it was only like a short set. So I got off as uh, <laughs> ridiculous. And then the other thing that happened when I, I was younger and I was on, on, uh, at a movie theater in Manhattan and I came out and uh, a much younger uh, Al Franken. Yeah, yeah, there. sure. I don't know if you're on it. He was a writer for Saturday Night Live. And he was on the, and sort of in the uh, supporting cast as well. Like, you know, they would also use him and his writing partner, Tom Davis. They would be on, like, occasionally in sketches and stuff. So he had this one running sketch before Stuart. Remember that whole thing? I'm worth, I'm, I'm. Yeah, Stuart Smalley. Yeah. Before that, he had some. he had this bit where he said uh, how the 70s were called the Me Decade. This was a very narcissistic decade. A lot of, a lot of like you know therapy. Sure. So he said in his like little, probably it was on set, it was on the news update or something. He goes, the 80s are going to be the Al Franken decade. Okay. <laughs> he wanted that to catch on and become. So I saw him. He had since stopped doing Saturday Night Live. Shortly, not long after, or a second stint there. And I went up to him outside the movie theater and said. He said, so is the Al Franken decade over? <laughs> so I just, why I, again, why would I say that? <laughs> Am I trying to endure my, myself to him? Why would you say such a thing? Um, however, about a, six months ago before, well, before, just uh, towards the end of the winter or maybe a little before that, I was walking up Park Avenue and they're getting in, into, out of, coming out of this hotel and going into his car was Al Franken. And I passed him by, and I said, "Is the Al Franken decade over? Still over?" <laughs> so, I didn't say that. I should have. That would have been funny now. See, it's, it's definitely over now. Tragedy plus time. <laughs> so it's definitely over. So I said, "No, I was being more more uh, sincere." And I said, "Al, we lo- I love you. We love you." I probably said we. And I said, "You know, we when are you going to come back?" And he kind of leans in. And, well, first he said thank you, and then he leans in and he goes. That motherfucker, Schumer, you know, he's talked to Chuck Schumer. Uh, You know, he was really obviously hated the guy. Because Schumer being the minority senator, you know, minority uh, senator, he uh, is preventing probably Al from getting back in the race. That's my guess.
1: Is he still the minority senator in New York? He can't be. He's been there forever. Schumer? Yeah, yeah.
0: still. I know for many, many years. Those well, guys stick around Who's the reference. majority senator, then? Well, he'd be a Republican. There's, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, that's... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitch it's, McConnell. Uh, confusing. Yeah. Mitch McConnell. Thank you. I was like, why did I blank on his name? But, yeah. Um, also,
1: I love that Turtle Guy is what got me. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, I'm like, like oh, yeah, like oh, no, turtle. turtle Guy. I mean He does look like a turtle. Um, <laughs> well, He does. It's true. It's kind of...
0: You know, yeah, whatever. I know. Yes, the whole the whole. Note, it's it's kind of mean, to be
1: to be If we're being objective about it, he's a he's a, a, mean, he's a mean politician. He's yeah. done really shitty things yes. that influence civilization. Yes. But also, it's kind of civilly mean yeah. for the people on the left, such as us, to call him a turtle. <laughs> you know,
0: it's mean, I mean, It is a little. So I mean, it is a, a little m- mean. I just mean it's a mnemonic type of thing. I'm not trying to insult. I like turtles.
1: Yeah, I love turtles. I had one when I was a kid. I caught one. Yeah, <laughs> mean because it actually just left it alone, but you I should, caught it. I might put it in might have a cardboard box it. and fed it.
0: It may have been on its way to the eight to take care of its young. I don't. You never know who, what you did. Yeah, it was an alligator snapper, a baby alligator snapper.
1: They're vicious, aren't they? Well, when they grow up, they are, but I, I threw mine back in the
0: pond. <laughs> Once you've domesticated it. <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah, it like didn't, didn't know how to fend for itself anymore. Well, yeah, it's what? It's how cruel like, is that? It's I, like I, you get a cat and you're like, hey, I, can't I put it, it in a box, hung out with it, watched the Nightmare on Elm Street, fed it popcorn, and then threw it back in the
0: wild. He was like, "Hey man, where's Freddie?" Do you think it lost its uh, its edge by the time you put it back? Like other turtles? I don't know.
1: Even if it didn't, this was like 30 years ago. It's
0: probably dead. <laughs> well, not to come back full circle, but maybe once it was out in the uh, wild again, maybe it used its humor to fend off other turtle. other aggressive turtles, like you know, uh, or the other S- turtles, the
1: uh, the uh, trout, the chubs. What? You know, it, it, those are fish. And popular in popular in Michigan Lake culture,
0: oh, I see. It's a, Chubs. Uh, you're um. Uh, this is not my wheelhouse. <laughs> our our most popular fish in New York is sushi. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they catch that, but have you, have you ever had a, a? I've never had sushi. Uh, uni. The gonads of a sea urchin.
0: Have you ever okay. had that? No. No. Sounds appetizing.
1: Yeah. Well, people say it's great. I, oh. I've never had. I've never had the the the, the guts to try it. But um, yeah, I was just curious while we we're on the topic of sushi. Sure. The last frontier of sushi sure. that I haven't really crossed into is foodie. Um
0: so where were we talking about the Senate and everything? Oh, because I had the Al Franken debacle. Yeah, I sort of made up for it, but he was—I put him in a bad—I I put in people in bad moods. But those two instances. But when I did that Al Franken remark the first time, you—that know, I was really young. I was like a teenager. But the Seinfeld, there's no excuse. I was an adult. I Really, I was probably in my thirties already. I, there was no reason why I should have been saying such a thing to him. I'm much more poised now. Like I think I was just trying to be clever, and thought I'd say something. And it was just, you know. Hey, I'm with you. I I,
1: I was never really a big uh, celebrity approacher. I'm not a big table approacher in general, even for people that I know that aren't celebrities. You know, I just generally, I, I feel uncomfortable approaching people. I feel awkward doing it. It is awkward. But there are two instances that I remember from my first visit to New York when I was 19, 20 years old. And the first one was that I went to the MoMA at the old location. This is back in 2000. What old location? Wasn't it, it was in Midtown, wasn't it? It's, it's it different It's still in Midtown, isn't it? Didn't, the did, MoMA didn't change locations?
0: No, no. Well, there was a period where it was under construction, and they opened up a temporary place in, like, Long Island City or something like that. There's a... Uh, okay, also, all right. Also a PS1, which is... Uh, you know, uh, like a a, a MoMA um, in more of a MoMA um, experimental site, you know, or okay. a sort of building that's um, in, in Queens, I think, as well. So when I was
1: there years later, I think that must have been what was going on. That's why I thought.
0: They yeah, it could have been.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it might well, MoMA at the same location. But anyway, I, you know, I'm there by myself, uh, you know, and I'm walking up the stairs. And down from the stairs, uh, we're going to pass each other, is uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, that's a good one. And, like, I look at him, like, and I, know, I don't react or anything. I just, you know, like, I look at anybody that I'm passing, you know. And yeah. and he looks at me, and he immediately looks away and starts whistling, like. <whistles> I'm like, well, I wasn't going to say anything, man. It's, right. And then, like, two days later, I go into, uh, at the time, was my favorite place to go play music and eat food. It was called the Sidewalk Cafe on 6th and A. I don't know yeah, if it's still I, there.
0: Right.
1: I, I, I think I played there. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was back in the day when Lash ran the open mic. And it, I've been, you know, yeah, I remember. It, it was awesome. But I, I go in there for – I didn't have any money, so I was probably asking for, like, a tomato on toast or something, you know. And – but outside was David Cross. And, like, I looked at him, like, wow, it's David Cross. And then, he like, he immediately did this. And I'm like, how do they, all these people know that I like them? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything to anybody, it, but how do you know it, that it, I was going to? You, would, would you, you wouldn't Would you? approach them? No, I never would have. Oh, okay. Because I had no intention of them, and I never would have. they immediately know right away by looking right. at me that, I'm a Steve Buscemi and Debbie Cross fan. They they
0: could spot that a mile away. A good taste. Those are both great sightings. I've seen them both, and in fact, i met Steve Buscemi interpersonally in perfect, like introduced, like perfectly appropriate to to have a conversation, like on two different film events. And I was introduced at, at Steve at you know, and yet like because I, I the unfortunate part is I wanted so much on the podcast. Oh yeah. That I felt on the spot under pressure to impress him. Which is completely the worst. Thing I don't think that's his style, man. No, I don't think so. But you know what's funny? Again, around six months ago or five months ago, I'm walking in Union Square and coming towards me on the crowded sidewalk, Michael Busemi, his brother. Oh yeah. So I said, Michael, and he looks up and goes. He got so scared. Yeah, we stood on the side for a half hour talking, and he's—we've texted since he was about to do the podcast, and when COVID, when the lockdown came, he was—we were—we had We had, I think, pretty much just about scheduled. So oh, really, yeah. So I, I we, we—I have his number, so you know. Um. So if you, you know, one day, one day we'll do it. I like Michael too he's you know he's done a lot of independent stuff and he's he's a good actor. he's done uh, some episodics yeah,
1: yeah, I agree I, those dudes i again it's all anecdotal there's stories that I've heard through a friend through a friend or whatever, but uh, from what I understand, like, those guys are pretty down to earth New York cats that yeah you know, just love their city and love their community and love me you know, uh, a friend of mine was shooting a film in New York several years ago and uh, uh very low budget micro budget, no budget right whatever you want to call it no budge sure even no budge means like a hundred thousand dollars but like whatever <laughs> really? literally no money here uh-huh. and, and uh steve Shimmie was like walking by and he's like hey what are you guys doing are you shooting a movie and they're like yeah, uh yeah he's like ah that's cool i work in movies and they're like, yeah, we know, you're Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know, and he's just like, hey, you want any help? I, I can hang out. No he's way. Like, yeah. And so, and they were just like, uh, no, we, I, everything we're doing, everything going on. What? And it, it, well, I mean, it's, it was, everything is still contractual. Like, I mean, who knows? What, and he's just like, well, I
0: just thought I'd... Write apart I'd- it immediately. What is I don't understand anything.
1: Well, no, I know I would. But, like, you know, the the, the point is, is that Steve Buscemi is just... A nice dude who loves his city, his community, and everything he's yeah, a part and, of.
0: And, and the, film, the film world. Um, he used to be, when he was first starting, in, when there was this New York downtown scene back in the 70s, late 70s, early the, yeah,
1: 80s. Yeah, there's all that, the, the Lower East Side, East Village scene in the late 70s, early
0: 80s. Yeah, there was this underground art. John Lurie, Jean Michel Basquiat, and like all those guys, like, yeah. like buddies. Right. Like John Lurie, right? Exactly. In that period, Amos Poe was—he's done my podcast now a couple of times. Amos Poe was one of the first of the underground filmmakers. They all—they were all doing painting, sculpture. You know, they were all—they were. And then they had it like we're in a band, and then they would picked up the camera and they started making movies. I mean, they, this is what they were all doing. It just a couple of them, a number of them turned out to be especially good at it. You know, like like. Jim Jarmusch, right? So he rose. Yeah, Jarmusch. Yeah, exactly. So he rose to the top. Amos Poe, but before even Jarmusch, Amos Poe was this guy, and he picked up. He was like the first one in that group to pick up the camera and then make a number of really low budge, no budge, uh, films. Yeah. So in that, so he was negative budge. Those those exact (laughs) people. He has a great anecdote. If you listen to Amos Poe on my podcast the first time, he talks about. How he had like a, two bucks in his pocket, and he was in the uh, on St. Mark's, and uh, he was supposed to meet John Laurie for dinner at you know, probably to get coffee or something. And he's walking by St. Mark's eighty Mark's, you know, the 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 movie the little movie theater, St. Mark's movie theater, and there's a double feature. I do like, know that. You dinner. gotta you gotta listen to this story though that when he tells it. I don't think I should tell the whole thing about how he was. He, only had, he had almost nothing in his pocket, and he, what he had left, he spent on the movie ticket because he wants to go to this double feature. And then, what happened in the movie? It's just an incredible story. Um, well, let's go to the uh, let's go to the archives. Oh, I, I I'm gonna check it out. Dude, I, I love it. Name is so, uh, Off the top of
1: my head, I, I, it's possible I've heard things about him, but I I no, will. It, check it out. it's this, part of it like fantastic. I'm fascinated with that era of New York, the late yeah. '70s oh, and '80s. Me too. York, uh, 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 art scene, filmmaking scene, like all that is—that's—it's—it's it's awesome to me. So I.
0: am totally into that whole scene too. Here, I'm going to show you something. Oh yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, I'm a—I'm really into that whole scene. Anyway, so the—the um, the reason I brought it up, though, that whole thing, and you—you uh, you should listen to the MS pull-up. So I—I can't look it up at the moment, but easy to find if you google it and uh, uh that steve buscemi was partners he had like a i think they had an improv duo yeah they were yeah they were doing a lot of things together i i, I believe I, mean, I don't know
1: i don't know if it was i don't, I don't again i don't know about amos poe but i know buscemi was doing uh you know it was uh you know uh, performance art or improv or That's whatever right. was,
0: you know yeah. like the guy from Sons of Anarchy, who I have also his number because I ran into him at the Woodstock Film Festival. I wanted him on my show forever. Uh, And he said he'd do it on the phone. And I, of course, have not gotten back to him, but I do have his phone number. So the guy from, you know, the beefy guy from Sons of Anarchy, he's been around forever. But I should, I should contact him. uh, But he's probably definitely not going to be on Zoom, that guy. But he's, he's, He's done a lot of indie films over the years. You know, he pops up in a lot of stuff still. And it sounds like an anarchy show put him top of the, you know, again on the map. I it wasn't a show I enjoyed that much. I watched a bunch of them just to see if I would like it. But yeah, it was. not a, little, a, I, it's it's a thing, to be honest. And there's
1: so much out there to watch. Like it's it's so hard to keep up. I've watched a few episodes of something. I'm aware of the yeah. show, but it was not really. Yeah. I cup of tea and that's fine that's okay it is i like it i'm sure it's a great show a lot but of people love so, it. so, so many talks. things to watch yeah. i can't do it all man great,
0: great cast you know great actors in the show i'm sure it's you know do you happen to see i don't know if you have hbo uh, i have hbo now okay well you have hbo you know what that is that's the one that's only online Yes, so you don't have to have a cable subscription,
1: which is what HBO Go was. So it's HBO now became HBO Max. You can you can and now yes, it's now HBO Max. Right, they've changed over. They've conglomerated all of Warner Cable or what
0: everything. Every property known to man, essentially. I just have Disney. HBO Go on my Apple TV, though I haven't upgraded it. Right and yeah,
1: I, yeah, and I, I use uh, I have a Roku TV, okay. so like it is, uh, HBO knows now has not gone into HBO Max yet on Roku. They're still trying to contract contractually negotiate they're, all the. They're uh, so
0: 2019
1: Roku. Yeah, yeah. Give over um, With the program, Roku. The
0: the show I was going to bring up though is Mark Ruffalo's show. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance. He plays two twin brothers. Oh yeah, he plays the twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a remarkable. I haven't movie. seen it yet, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's And my old friend Derek C. in France Blue Valentine, uh, directed directs. He is direct. He developed it and directed. He directs all the episodes. And uh, he didn't reply to my email, but our sons were friends. They went to the same uh, middle school. Well, I guess it was still uh, grade school uh, together, and we nice. hung out, got to know each other pretty well for a while. Tough guy, it directly.
1: Yeah, I'll check that out, and I, I, I it's, it's, certainly, it's at the top of my list. You know, there's so many, yeah, this, this, that's recent. That's only the past couple of weeks, right? There's oh
0: yeah, yeah. Well, there are episode. I think this weekend will be episode six, actually. So it's not as. Oh weekly. really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think it's a, and I think it's only seven episodes. Okay. Oh yeah, that's
1: uh, yeah, it's, that's that's typical for an HBO series, right? Six or seven episodes. A I don't know. I,
0: I like those a lot. <laughs> I like the short ones.
1: But, I like the, I like that too. It's like the, the British style, like the BBC or Channel oh, yeah. Four. Two, or, two, or just do two, two, two seasons down. and that's it. I agree with that. Like, yeah, like it's so embarrassing to like run shows like The Office into the
0: yeah. ground. <laughs> like, you didn't need to do that, man. Like, well, I will say, if you tuned into the last season. You probably still... I mean, I found, honestly, the least funny part of that show was Steve Carell. I like Steve oh. Carell. He's in a show with my ex-wife. What it's show good. is that? The Morning Show. It's on HBO Max. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was Apple Plus, right? Yeah. That's right. It's on Apple. Excuse me. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, you no, know, he's just fine comedian and actor, uh, but I did not... I... I, 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 I I was this one, uh, I had it back in 2004, something like that. Uh, my neighbor, I lived in a town, I was living in a brownstone with my then wife and we had a brand new baby. And, uh, uh, my neighbor upstairs, whatever, he's turned me on to the office UK. And man, uh, you know, I just, love I just, that was it. One of the, did the American one and we, you know, I, it's not. I wasn't being, trying to be a snob about it, but I was so smitten with the British one. And I'll tell you, ver eventually, somebody gave me a box set of the office, you, you know, the, the original, and um, right. with both seasons plus the, the special. They, they had like a you know reunion Christmas well, holiday party special, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, have whole, I watch it maybe once every year. The whole thing. I it's like it works every time.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing, and it, yeah, I, I also too. I obviously did. I didn't watch the office, the BBC version when I was uh, when it aired because I'm, no, you know, i No, I was so also okay. like, yeah, I, but I the same thing. Like I, uh, a friend of mine had the DVD deluxe set okay. or whatever, and we watched it before. It was a thing on NBC or whatever, you know, okay. like. Hey,
0: hey, no, I. I didn't see it in its original run either, just right after. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Because I, I I think it was – if it was around 2000, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I don't remember the when it came out. Yeah, I, I think so, man.
1: I mean, it had – I, I – I, 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 my friends often make fun of me for using this term, but I, I think that it was pre-9-11. You know, I think Oh, that far back, yeah. I think yeah. so. Thank you. It was just – it was that – the type of comedy that situational humor that like it didn't exist for a few years after 9-11 you know like that yeah. was it, it took a while for everybody to re- recover a little bit right. and, and and so when i when i watched it and i'm not trying to be a hipster snob either you know like oh i knew about the british office before you knew about it I'm just saying, like it was so already well established that how awesome that was. That like when NBC put out the version with Steve Carell and all the other fantastic performers. Yeah. It, it, it just I was kind of like, ah, it's, it's weird, you know. Like that's the way I felt. Like I was like I don't know. this seems like a weird alternate
0: reality. Like I so, don't. Yeah. But I I think the original thought is true. I like the. Just a, two seasons. And Lee won. Yeah, leaving, just leaving, two leaving, series. Leaving In England, more. they call them series. Just two series right. and done. That's you it. One more. The story. Move on to something more. else. Right. You want more, but tough shit. You
1: In America, money. we run everything into the fucking
0: ground. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, 11 seasons. If it's
1: making money, to keep going.
0: Just keep
1: going. We'll it's run it right it into where it's nothing.
0: Sons. Yeah. You need that third house, the 12th tw- car. Although, since we're on the subject, how many seasons has The Simpsons been going?
1: <laughs> okay, well, but now this is a different subject now. Uh, because The Simpsons is, 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 is now a cultural institution. It's not, it's not just a, a sitcom. It's not just a series. It's like 60 Minutes. You know, it's like yeah. or something. You know, it's just, it's a part of what we're doing. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's just... Saturday Night Live? Same thing. Now, I, I There are moments that I've disliked The Simpsons and disliked Saturday Night Live, but they are the same. They're just, they're cultural institutions that are just there now. Yeah, right. Derek. It's very true. And, and until...
0: Like
1: uh, I was a little... Oh, sorry.
0: That's
1: okay. Uh, no, no! I, I mean, if when Lauren Michaels, J- James L. Brooks, and Matt Groening, and obviously the voice actors, and everybody, when they pass away, uh, you know that'll be probably the end. You know, okay. like. Right. But but until well, then, like these are Bill just Hartman, like, Bill Harmon. Was on both. Yeah, it was on both. Yeah. I just recently watched... Uh, uh, there's a I, I don't remember the YouTuber's name, unfortunately. I can't promote him here. Like, I, I don't care about doing that anyway. But but he, he puts together uh, blocks of, like, people's appearances on Letterman. And I just watched, like, all of Phil Hartman's Letterman appearances. Oh, wow. Uh, it was amazing, man. But, like, you know, like, as it gets towards, like, he starts talking about news radio... And he's starting this whole new chapter of his life. Like, it starts to get, like, uh, very melancholy because you know
0: what's happen- what's going to happen. Yes, know. right, right. It's, it gets it – gets, it causes anxiety because, you know, like – it's like yeah. you want to warn him. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I, know.
1: I know. Very, very uh, It's funny. all these things. It's just like every time I watch a Kennedy uh, you know, documentary about JFK, I'm just like, oh, I hope this ends better. Yeah, this time I
0: hope <laughs> yeah, it course. never does. Maybe this time you won't get shot. Yeah, no, you um, always yeah, get no, shot. Well, that of course is, you know, one of those things that why the imagination is is so incredibly powerful because we're we we watch we can watch a movie over and over, knowing how it ends, but you still root for like a you know a different ending at times. You know, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, um, hey, I, I think that's a
1: that, that's that's. A fascinating point you make I, I completely agree like I, every time I watch it, anything about any tragedy that I know the outcome I still find myself rooting for a better outcome yeah and right. I, like, and I think happen- that most people do you know and I, I, I think that that's like a, the treasure of being a human being you know yeah right optimism even in you know even when you know it's gonna end like, I know John you know, Lennon's gonna get killed, but I'm gonna watch this movie about him anyway. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. You know, like I, you know, you know these things. Like it's just, it's, it's, and you it's a sense of dread too, because you know you know it's coming. Um, uh, but yeah. uh, that was I was thinking of something when you when you were talk, talking about um, about uh, oh, it's still Harmon, yeah, that was very very distraught when I heard about that, and such a violent end. But I had—I um, don't know if I got this before or after. Probably after I got the, you know, the, the Phil Hartman collection, the Saturday Night Live collection. Yeah, yeah. And I had that until recently, um, and I only had two of those. And Phil Hartman, because I—I I think like the um, the uh, what was it called, the anal retentive chef, the anal retentive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And now we're
1: going to put it in the foil.
0: Yes. Tightly seal the corners, and then
1: dispose
0: it. In now the it's refu- No, now it's refuse worthy. Oh, refuse worthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, the retentive chef. I
0: forgot oh. about that. That's and so and cool. the unfrozen caveman lawyer was
1: another one. Oh no, that, that's
0: brilliant. Uh, uh, you know, they, I'm, they, I'm just a simple caveman. I don't know. I you're you're. It Frightens and confuses me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> However, your my right. client is my client is worthy of. I don't know. I'm just chalking on this crazy contraption. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, my so client good. is uh, work is uh, oh, whatever.
1: Yeah, there there's so many. I, I, uh, yeah. um. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Yeah, there's so many. There's
0: so, now there's, there's only one other, one other collection. It's not a cast a member. Mark on that show. There's only one other collection I ever owned of that, like that. It's not a cast member, but it's a regular guest. Can you guess who it is? Um, Same period. It was like a it was not a cast member, but it was one of the center live collections. From that time, from the
1: late 80s, early 90s? Pretty much so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say either Steve Martin or
0: Tom Hanks. Neither one, but both good guests. Guests. Guesses and guests. No, Christopher Walken.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The, the, uh, the um, what was his name? The something guy that, kept, that you know, with the, he would invite over the women. He'd steal their glove or something like that. And... There's the Continental, right? The, the Continental. And now uh, Phil Hartman would do the uh, intro, right? And now another episode of the, Cont- the Continental. Continental. And then he would come in and... No, no, please don't go. Okay. And, and the, camera- the camera... To be honest, like, that, that, that skit would not fly no, today. No way. Not anymore. No way.
1: I mean, that's... that's it's because- Essentially,
0: it's rape humor. <laughs> it's rapey. But he would... Yeah, and, the and, and, camera and this- was the girl. The camera... Was the POV of the girl? Yeah, The camera was Locked the girl. In, yeah, yeah, right. He would lock her in, right? And then he would have her. He would climb up on his the ladder to up the bookcase, and then he would look down, you know, and he would make a comment about it. he was looking down at he her Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't fly. wouldn't fly to. No,
1: it's, it's it's completely unacceptable. <laughs> I don't even know if they, if they ever re-air <laughs> yeah. that. Even I don't, I don't it was, even. It was ABC.com
0: has. Some continental skits yeah. out there. Like, uh, the, the, there was one, sk- my favorite sketch, though, of all time involving Christopher Walken was uh, the uh, Colonel Angus. Thank you. <laughs> <That was> <laughs>
1: it. <laughs> it's so good. I just watched Ante it a couple Bellum, days ago. Their
0: antebellum sketch. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so good.
0: Uh, I
1: love that one. Yeah. I love
0: cowbell sketch. Oh well, yeah, well, that's uh, it's legendary. Boy, that's everybody's go-to, but mine is is kind, of ling- kind of And is I'm going, I love going south by <laughs> like coming down south.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> so funny. Everything about it is so funny. Perfection. Perfect. <laughs> it fifteen times in a row and just crack up the entire time. I don't know how they got through that sketch. Rachel Dratch is amazing in it. Uh, just everybody is so Amy great. Amy Poehler was she in that one? Uh, a
0: young Amy Poehler? Were, yeah, Amy.
1: was I think Amy she was in
0: that. What? Was that,
1: uh, yeah, No, I, I, I don't. Know. I,
0: I, I backtrack. I, I, I don't remember. Exactly. i kind of. I, I'm, I'm putting. I'm imagining Amy Poehler. In that sketch too, but it, it might have been a little too early for that. I don't know. I just watched it like two
1: weeks ago with my girlfriend. We were hysterical. I can't remember. Oh, in it now or not? Two the, weeks later, that's ridiculous.
0: regard <laughs> interestingly enough, regarding the uh, cowbell sketch, there was a obviously they just picked up a CD to find out who produced. They looked up like whoever wrote the sketch. You know he's. Christopher Walken is supposed to be the producer of, uh, of uh, Blue Oyster Cult's classic, right? You know, yeah, Bruce people,
1: Dickinson is the name they use, which is hilarious. Don't fear the, the reaper. The of Iron Maiden, who
0: had nothing to do with Blue Oyster
1: Cult, but it's... Hard. What? It, it, Christopher Walken in the sketch uses the name Bruce Dickinson. Right. And Bruce Dickinson was the lead singer of Iron Maiden and the creator of Iron Maiden. Oh,
0: no, no, no. You know what it was? Mm-hmm. I worked at Sony Music, and we reissued we reissued that, that that cd bruce dickinson actually did produce the reissue but this would have oh, been, was not what's yeah of that album but it was a reissue years later so i it may have been a different bruce dickinson but it was not the pro- original producer they so it would, have been, common. It would have been in that session of course you know yeah you know, another,
1: another one of my favorite Christopher Walken sketches that people don't remember is... uh. uh That's not a Christopher Walken sketch. That's a Will Ferrell sketch. I yeah, think. it's a Will Ferrell sketch and a Jimmy Fallon breaking up, like, like he always oh, does. It's a weird stick to have. When you're not supposed to break up on live well, TV. Like, that was his whole bit. It's still... Like, a, now he's hosting a Tonight Show? Like, I I don't, know, how does he, this... He's still does this made, world, man? How do we I get... I can't watch... All right, anyway, but there's a uh, Trivial Psychic. <laughs> Do you ever see that one of Christopher Walken, Trivial Psychic? I don't remember that one. And it's, it's. I think it's based on uh, the movie he did. Uh, oh, my gosh, so embarrassing. I'm blanking on the name right now. I think it was written by Stephen King, but where he shake the hand with somebody. Oh, yes.
0: Yes, I remember now. And it,
1: almost and then, like, yeah, yeah. He yeah. has yeah. Like, the
0: future. Yeah, so he did that, a oh, that's from, uh, that was from the Dead Zone. Dead Zone. Yes, yes, he yes. Played, oh, he's playing that character years later. Yeah, yeah so San
1: Diego did a character called Trivial Psychic where he shakes the hand of somebody and he's just like, Right, and he can tell their feet. I've got time. news for you. Right, yeah. You're going to get coffee in the morning. <laughs> You're, right. You're going to leave it in the taxi cab.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, it's like,
1: <laughs> Trivial Psychic.
0: It's so brilliant. It's was so the funny. Captain Hindsight uh, a out live sketch? Captain Hindsight. I think that might have been something else. Captain Hindsight was a superhero who would show up and said he would show up at a crime scene, and and he would say to the victim, you know, victims, oh, you should have, you shouldn't have gone walking in the door by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have. You should have gone straight home. <laughs> It was a I don't know fun. that sketch. That's a brilliant premise. Yeah. It may not be Saturday Night Live now, but uh, Trigger Psychic reminded me of hindsight. Captain Hindsight. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's well, Google a- it or YouTube
1: it, because it's got to be on. I, I, I will. Gonna- I will. I'm going to actually... I'm gonna make a note of that
0: right we now. You should. It's it's. There's a bunch of them. Half in hindsight is such a that's such a funny idea. I know, and it sounds like Saturday Night Live. So, I, but it could have been another sketch show. But it's definitely not like uh, Mad TV, which I thought there's was. There's been so
1: many great TV. sketch shows. Mad in TV, my, I thought my life. like. Like I just like when I was a kid, it was pretty much SNL and then in Living Color. Right. And then, like in the '90s, like Mad TV came along, and then with the internet. Like, also, Funny, like yeah. Mr. Dad. Show, which is genius, and, and huh? which uh, Mr. Show with Bob. Oh, Nathan. of course, I saw all those. Yeah, yeah, and then there
0: was like Human Giant,
1: Good Neighbor, and like all all, all these amazing. Now,
0: yeah, shows. Another now on Funnier or Die. There, I just got turned on. I mean, I don't know if it has the lasting power. I didn't watch that much of it, but I watched a brand new one. It's called Long Hair Business. Long Hair Businessman. Do you know it?
1: Oh, I don't know that Will,
0: one. Well Will Farrell's in it. It's um it's uh, uh and and they, their latest episode is on um Zoom. They do it's like they're all on Zoom doing a bit having a business meeting. And they it's all about business speak and just how imbecilic these guys sound. But they're and they all have like long hair. That's the that's so it's called long hair businessmen. And <laughs> You can YouTube, watch on YouTube. Will Ferrell's one of the guys, and what's his name for Saturday Night Live? The guy who had that speech impediment, a small speech impediment. He played um, uh, MacD- MacGyver. Uh, he did a good MacGyver movie. He was on Saturday Night Live a few years back. Oh, I, I, no, he did a, um, he was the Falconer? He a, uh, I'm not sure, but he. I know he played MacGyver. In the movie. Uh, yeah he was in nebraska with oh yeah that's right with bruce stern yeah 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 i was i think he was the son in nebraska that's right yeah i'm blanking on his name right now too man will somebody also
1: maybe i want to say bill but i keep thinking bill Bill? hated it's not Bill
0: yeah anyway it's a funny sketch i watched a couple of them and they're just you know how they there's this way of saying nothing through all this kind of business speak you know and it's really funny. The one on the Zoom call is fantastic. Because there's one yeah, guy who great, can't man. get his, the video to work and they just constantly uh, try to tear him up, you know. And they're all kissing each other's asses, trying to be, you know, the most sort of clever. It's really funny. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'll 100%. check it out. I'm always on the look for that type of stuff. I know, uh, me too. So entertaining. Yeah, especially hey, now.
1: Hey, have you, have you, did you see the, 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 the Zoom call? Where uh, somebody, the Los Angeles City Council was having a meeting where they, as a democracy is, like they normally would have citizens come up to the podium and oh, air right. the like town hall. But they did it over Zoom recently, and somebody Zoomed in and had a
0: minute and a half, and they just unloaded on the police. Jail. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And then he had he had like 10, eight seconds left, so he just said "fuck you" and I yield my time, and also "fuck you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Yeah, really. There's another Zoom. It was on the. Um, oh, Conan O'Brien uh, did a. Mob. I'm sure it was all. They knew it was going to happen. They, uh, there was no way that. But there's a this uh, again. This small business, you know, doing a Zoom meeting. I, I think they're all legitimately part of the company, and you're you. You can see it, and they're they're having their Zoom meeting, and all of a sudden Conan O'Brien just pops in, and he's he's really funny. I mean, he's he. This is like when Conan O'Brien is at his best, you know. I think he's a very funny guy. But uh, and I don't. I, I, I assume so. <laughs> one of the one of the writers for it wasn't funny. He's had a damn good career. <laughs> it's true. It was between Saturday Night Live and The Simpsons as well, right? He, yeah. Yeah brilliant yeah, probably created a lot of the most famous characters is my guess but he, um, he he's really just really funny on the show uh, since this you know some of the talk show hosts now are because I do go on YouTube on my Apple TV and i will just like watch some of the monologues and you know at the, all the guys are at home of course like Stephen Colbert I never was doing it until recently once I got locked up locked in here I started watching it just because I think it's it's a, it's a nice blend of of really, really acerbic humor and they all are lay into you know, mercilessly relay into Trump. Like, you know, so it's it feels kind of like cathartic to watch them do it for me, you know, like Yeah, I
1: actually agree. Like I've made jokes about people that do talk shows like being at home now. Like I've made jokes yeah. about like yeah, hey, it looks like crap. Like, yeah, whatever. Whatever.
0: I don't watch Jimmy Fallon. Right? I don't think he's my guy. He's not. Yeah, but but there is like a, an
1: element of like the checks and balances of the network have kind of been taken away. Like yeah. these guys are saying things now that they never yeah. no. would have been able to say if
0: they were actually airing. Ba-da-da-da. I know
1: that's kind Carson, of but like... Yeah, no,
0: I guess what you're saying, but you're right. It's incredible. So what the, you know, between Jimmy Kimmel and, and Steve Colbert and, uh, and even Conan to some degree. So it's kind of... It's pretty good, you know. It's like, but yeah, I've been enjoying it. I've, I've been watching it. You know? but then they'll bring on now. They're bringing on like a lot of African American uh, folks onto their show to talk specifically about Black Lives Matter and so, And you know, it's it's just a little bit of a stretch. That's all I'll say. It's probably a good thing though. I'm not going to bash that. They're not the most, you know. Um, it, it seems a little bit self serving to bring these people, to bring on people like that. Um, well, it's just it's just. But, what are you gonna do? It's a little weird doing? when yeah, like you you know, Jimmy
1: Fallon Hart. brings on a black person and he's just like, "Tell me, uh, what did I do wrong?" Yeah, right. Exactly. I was just like, oh, fuck, you figure it out for yourself,
0: asshole." Right. Yeah. You know, just like, it's like, you know, what's what it, what it what going on to, here, man?" Right. what did you do a Zoom call with Conan O'Brien and and, and Jimmy uh, Fallon and figure it out? Because uh, yeah, there's this apologist thing, uh, which you know it comes off a little bit.
1: I just don't like the way that everybody's like, acting oblivious to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what's really bothering me about the whole thing is everybody's acting oblivious. Like, we've known about this certainly my whole lifetime. I was only born in 1980. Mm-hmm. So it's been around longer than that, I assure you. But, you know, like, the fact that people are just like, oh, I didn't realize I was wrong. What did I do wrong?
0: <laughs> you're right.
1: like, like, you know you did wrong, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? Own up to it. Like, yeah. wait, it's, it's, you're not a little kid. It's not time to, like, say, ooh, I got a boo-boo. I want ice cream. Like, no. Fucking <laughs> you did it, mate. Like, you were part of it. You succeeded partly as a result of the way that
0: America, the, the, right. everything's been run. Right. You right. know, like. Yeah. Yes, oh, uh, well, just... better late than never. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, but you're right. It's like, you know, it, I, it's funny. I put up a, I got a little bit of that myself, a very, very tiny way when I, I, almost it doesn't compare because I put up a photo of George Floyd as my Facebook, you know, the armchair protester that I am. Uh, so I put up George Floyd's image and I have a lot, I have like, you know, large Facebook following mostly because of the podcast and all the people that have come on it or whatever the film industry is mo- it's mostly and nobody said anything about it for several days and then i get this uh, direct message from somebody that is a friend on facebook but i don't know i don't remember ever meeting them and it's this woman she's latinx whatever she's and she she expresses her discomfort with my using that photo and i said and she goes take it down you know and i'm sure you meant it in a you know, in a, uh, kind of, a, in a uh, sort of in the spirit yeah, of solidarity, clarity. but it's, yeah, yeah. it's not, it, it makes me uncomfortable. So I said, well, you don't know me. And then I actually, I passed it by my ex-wife who's African American. I'm like, well, you know, do you think, cause nobody said anything. And I know a lot of people of color and they, you know, certainly have contacted me, but nobody did except for this woman who I don't know. So I ran it by my ex-wife and she goes, no, you, you don't have to take it down. That's silly. Just tell her that, you know, you, you, and I wrote her back. I said, look, I'm glad you brought this to my attention. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. If you want to talk, let me know. And I basically, she got she goes, you know, have some white person walk you through this because, you know, I, I, anyway, I, 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 my ex-wife said, she's just in a bad mood and, you know, she's taking it out on you. So the next day, go ahead.
1: No, I mean and that that happens. Everybody, everybody university universities on edge, black and white and right. brown and wh- whoever. Man. That's and like, right. ed- like we've been on edge for months now,
0: you know. Edge. Yeah, and it and it and years, it decades, have- centuries, but certainly. And we have the most toxic human being, and I use that word very, very. Uh, yeah, he's definitely not helping. We don't. We don't need to mention him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's definitely so, not healthy. believe it the calling him a human being, which is is a, uh, ben, a yeah. I mean, he technically, is one, but yeah. You know. uh, I mean, that just on top of everything, it makes things all the more toxic. You know. So anyway, but you know what? The, you know, nobody else has said anything to me, and I could have just ignored it. Uh, she, I said to her, by the way, I you know appreciate you bringing it to my. If you want to unfriend me, maybe that's the best solution. You know, I said, you know, but I don't. Think you know I don't need to take it down, but the next day I you know I remembered as I was posting it a little tiny flash of you know before that happened when I was originally uploading the photo and I feeling like, is this a little bit white apologist meets showy liberal thing to do like just for a heartbeat and then I dismissed it saying no it's perfectly okay, because um, it's a sy- gesture, it's a symbolic gesture to show solidarity. It's like, I'm not, you know, it's just saying, I care about this.
1: I think that that's the the, the point, right, is that I know there's a big controversy when everybody put, uh, you know, uh, all black screens on their Instagram oh. or whatever. Oh, I didn't you know. know if you're that. like, this I isn't doing that. anything. And I'm like, well, it's not supposed to do anything. I don't think anybody that posted this thinks that this right. is going to make change it's just yeah. a symbolic but it's also a,
0: gesture it, but it's that's part of
1: a all understanding and trying to understand what's going on in the world you know yeah um,
0: but it's and, and it's it's supposed to be part of a collection see in of itself you're right but as part of like maybe tens of thousands of people doing that it becomes something bigger than the it's you know than the one individual doing it so yes that one individual you could argue it was like a half a second of doing an, a non-action in a way, but when you when you ha- when it's part of it, an enormous number of people doing it, it does mean something. So, but you know, the funny thing is, is I looked online, I found an image that said "In memory of George Floyd," and I replaced it with what? That that's what I used. I, I, in other words, before I just used his image as my profile photo. And now I, as my profile photo, I have the same image, only it says along the side of it, in memory of George Floyd, 1970 to 2020, whatever it is, year four. So it becomes more like a. it says it's a tribute.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it was my way of kind of saying, okay, I don't know her. I didn't love the way she brought it to my attention, although she did it privately. A lot of people might have done it public, in a public way, so I do appreciate that she did that. But, you know, her saying, take it down, ASAP, you know, it's not cool. Oh, I, I, I don't think you should take it down.
1: I, I just, I, no, 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 I'm saying what I don't she, know who this person I mean, is,
0: and I don't, I don't want right, to. Right, I, I know. But I'm just saying she, she was, I felt mixed about the way she approached me, is what I'm saying. I appreciated that she did it directly as opposed to in a public way, which is, you know, like the way people do things now. They just call people out publicly instead of going to them, per, you know, one-on-one. I had an instance like that a couple of years ago, and the person that did that publicly ended up getting trounced by my, <laughs> so many people that know me, you know, and this woman knew me. I'm like, why did she, she came on directly and she apologized. This is a couple of years ago. She She apologized. I'm like you know what it's it's okay if you had come to me if you had a problem with something I wrote you could have just as a friend wrote me a note or you know directly and then we could have talked about it, my intentions of what I meant because there was a confusion and it was just that was my problem with it it wasn't that I'm being called out on something neither was this I don't know yeah. that she confronted me about it but it's it's a matter of the way you you can't just say to somebody that you don't know kick it down a s a p it's that's some you know it's just not cool well, let's do that
1: well i mean that's the nature of social media you know like I, I, that's gonna happen you know yeah I, I, you know I, it's it's just strange like the the, the media and i mean like i uh, uh d- during the hate of the protests uh mm-hmm. I mean, was it last week and two weeks? I don't even know what day it is, to be honest with you. I'm sorry. But the, the big time of the protests, whatever weekend that was, uh, Saturday or Sunday, my neighbors, my friends, they all went down to the protests. And so they were doing a Facebook live feed. And then I was also tuned into CNN and Wolf Blitzer. And Will Blitzer's just like, and they are. Yeah. Crowds are gathering at Hollywood and Vine. We'll keep you more informed about what's going on in Los Angeles. And whatnot. And then, like, I look at my friend's phone, and she's just like, yeah, everyone's really chill and peaceful and respectful of each other. And they have a microphone and a podium, and everyone's listening. And everything. So, like, I'm not an anti-media guy, but, like, this shit's fucked up, man. Like the, how mixed the messages are. Like, that's not cool. Like, in my opinion, love and understanding is what's going to get us through all this. And those that aren't on board, are, they're not helping me. You know? Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I'm sorry. That includes Wolf Blitzer, I guess, because I know that they got to sell ads and they want people to tune in and they got
0: to make it dramatic. Yeah. I just saw that shit.
1: I go, go the fucking movie business, man. Don't be a journalist.
0: They're not well. Wolf Blitzer. It's arguable. A lot of these guys are. They're not. They're not. They're not. His name is Wolf Blitzer. (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: Uh, What the hell,
0: man? Yeah. Who? Uh, Zombie zombie Nazi, Nazi, man. Wolf Blitzer. Let's look it up. Is that his birth name? I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't Um, know the guy. Probably. Nor do I
1: know his parents.
0: Probably, probably Jeremy. Like uh, you know. Jeremy? No, he's too old for the Jeremy generation, man. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Jeremy Jeremy Weisberg or something. but I was going to say
1: Tom Schmoltz.
0: I don't know. But uh, I stopped watching those guys. I, I can't. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, because they're, 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 they're obviously so going the media for, like, your CD. attention.
1: Right. They're the but, most attention-greedy people ever like you think you got a friend that's attention whore no no not compared to tv news people
0: yeah they
1: are desperate and they're competing with other people and then it's like talking about the other
0: networks
1: and it
0: just goes on and
1: on it's crazy yeah they're missing the whole point you're supposed to just inform us so you can't do it anymore because you're attention hoard out to advertisers and competing against each other so we rely on sure. our friends who all have cameras and phones and everything in their pockets at all times to you, you, tell
0: us the news. this this was it's uh you know what was even more frightening is the uh network news oh man i don't have live tv man I I'm here. no but i would what well i do have youtube tv which gives me a feed to any Channel. But, but I remember when I was
1: a kid, like, after dinner, we would all go watch food.
0: But my dad... And we
1: after was, Tom broke on together. We'd all go, what? you know, like,
0: whatever. But so my father, uh, I would come visit him, and he would be watching the nightly news, you know, on CBS or whatever. Um, right. Because he still at cable and everything. And um I would watch it just, you know... I would look you know watch it because he had it on and man do they try to terrify people you know you get so used to it but when i'm watching it through his eyes and i hadn't seen it like in months or years like i'm not watching network news and i'm watching it and it's like starts off with there might be a little rain coming and they'll talk about storm systems i mean everything becomes steroidal in size you know it's like um so he would, every time there's any bad weather, I mean, you know, he, he would just oh. couldn't go outside. I can't go. I got to hurry up and get home before the rain. You know, God like when I was growing up, we never talked about the rain. Who cares if it's raining? You just go out with an umbrella or without one. It was like, when did, when did all of a sudden, but you know, he's also an older guy, which makes him more vulnerable to, uh, the good thing about my dad was he never, succumb to the Fox News you know uh, you know state of mind he, he was very very left wing in that way and he but he was he loved his Ari Melber and Rachel Maddow and, oh yeah. yeah but I said once they went from Trump bashing which was like the last bunch of years right then with the, with the new candidates with, with, once they started doing the debates and everything Last fall, yeah, Bernie, all the all the big yeah, thirty two people wow. up on stage. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's when I realized these motherfuckers are as bad as anybody else. Well, you know, I knew it. I, 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 I mean, CNN—the way they're treating some of the candidates.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been skeptical of most of my life. That's what my father instilled in me was to try to be skeptical and always have a bullshit. But, like, I, it, you know, everybody's complaining about Trump now, but I remember, and I was living in Los Angeles at the time when he was running his primary, and I remember everybody just being like, oh, we can't get enough of this guy. They're just putting him on the news. Every time he has a fucking meeting, and every time he has a... You built him, man. Like, you can't be that upset now. Like, you built him. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's crazy. It's It's... The media and everything about it is is, is, is fascinating. I'm not. I'm not gonna call it bullshit, and I'm not gonna call it whatever, but it's fascinating.
0: Well, I get most of my opinion, news, whatever, through the uh, online shows anyway now. So, and they're far more, far more radical. I I don't use that term correctly though, because I feel like what we're calling radical is actually much more. Straight thinking, just to, you know, or just sensible sensibilities, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. what we're going through now is so radical. So that the people that are offering up that's why I thought Bernie was never a radical. Bernie is offering solutions that make complete sense. You know, was FDR a radical? Because I guess you could argue that the New Deal was a radical idea, but it, it's just the idea of, of everybody not starving or going without insurance this is radical when the rest of the world is doing it already? Why, why is it radical for us? Such nonsense. So, I, And that's how it was being framed by MSNBC and CNN. They were very turned off. Very turned off. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, like, I've been a Democrat my whole life. But I am, uh, this is the, my last election. Because I will, I mean, as a Democrat, I will be an independent. But I, I... Can no longer support a, a a party that puts Biden as their. Uh, it, it, oh, it's I'm
1: it's not. very disappointing. It's very disappointing. I, I agree with you. It's, it's nothing it's, will it's, change. I I've just my point has been like that. We just needed somebody to energize people to want to get right, out. Right. Right. And this is just not dude to do it, man. And it's just it's so frustrating and it's uh. I never had anything against Bernie. I didn't want him to be the president of the United States. Why I didn't want him to be president of the United States is a weird uh, problem of mine, maybe. But it's because when a person becomes president of the United States, they don't really have the power that they promised. And so then they get torn down by the system itself. And I didn't want somebody like Bernie Sanders, who's remarkable, to. I just, that would be another blow to uh, people uh, on the left or progressives is to like to see him get destroyed. Because I watched it happen to Obama. Like, we believed in Obama so much, but when he got into office, like, he had to do what he had to do.
0: You know? Yeah, no, it was. uh, And that was very disappointing to a lot of people, including myself. The symbolically important president, interpersonally or on a personal level, great guy. But a, a failed
1: president. Yeah, I mean, there's, but this—I there's, mean, but that's what I'm saying. I think that's what the executive office is this would be CEO. Well, a, I don't know. I don't care. know. Um, maybe.
0: Yeah, but I—I I can't think of another example hard. in my it's lifetime, good. certainly where well, somebody Obama would didn't have act well, outside of it. Sorry.
1: I was going to oh, say. no, I, I'm sorry. I was I, I just saying I can't think of an example. Uh, somebody in my lifetime that's been able to act outside of the parameter president.
0: It's like Obama, while he had... I don't know that he had a coalition or a movement. Um, What he had was uh, optimism and and intelligence and fresh, new, young... An idea. But Bernie has a movement, and he, by the way, since squandered it because just turned the things over to the democratic establishment and where where what's supposed to do man i mean what you have hundreds of thousands of millions of, 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 of an army of progressive people with hungering for change you, you you what what do you do you arm them with military grade right no but you 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 i don't know you you have a, a, an army of people that uh, uh could have been that need a leader, that need move. that want to change the country. I, I think But uh, so my point is that like, still not be a leader It's not a leader a number one it's not a supported Biden. It's my opinion. It's just my opinion. But I, I it was a miserable failure and fuck Elizabeth Warren. It. It's not I just I I, it's just weird because like
1: I think you should be a leader without having to be number one. And, like, I really don't – I don't know how much I heard from Bernie between 2016 and 2020. Like, I, I don't remember Bernie Sanders being a leader those four years. Like, I just remember uh-huh. hearing about Trump, and I don't remember hearing about anything. But every time that there's an election around, like, oh, we got to talk about Bernie. He's going to uh-huh. do uh-huh. – I mean, like, I mean that's, that's, that's what a politician yeah. does. But that's not what a leader does
0: well i think he was building his 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 uh, following or his you know his supporters uh, during those years but there
1: was uh, he, between 2016 oh, and 2020 yeah. what was he doing between you mean when obama was president no 2016 to 2020 the, the last
0: 4 years of Donald trump oh i i mean he had a, he where had was a,
1: bernie sanders leadership he, he, in the
0: senate well, I believe he's. I don't know. You know, he's not the most effective senator either. I mean, he's done a lot of good oh, stuff. Well, wait,
1: wait, wait. He's the most effective
0: president. Wait a minute. He has spent his he's life. Not the most effective dude. He spent his life fighting for justice and for equality, and he yeah, for. Yeah, for yeah, I'm for, not yeah. taking away from that. Yeah. So I'm saying, as a president, you, it's more it is a symbolic role to a great degree, and if you can create enough uh, enthusiasm and support symbolically. Then you you can't get things done, uh, but Obama could have done it. I think he could have done it. I, I I wish he wish, I wish he had. I think he could if he had come in after after Trump, he might have been able to do it because he would have had so much more of a opportunity. He
1: came in after George W. Bush, which was even at that time the most symbolically racist president ever. That didn't care about black people. That left people stranded in New Orleans. That did it, it like. Still At possible. that time, in 2008, George Bush was a racist nightmare.
0: Made up, okay. made up, uh, made lied about, you know, made up lies in order to begin a war to get revenge for his dad. Yep. Made a black man do it. Seems like this country has problems. I know the way you're describing. It. I know it's weird. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're number
1: almost one. Like, it's almost like we got a lot of situations here. Yeah. It not seem so arbitrary all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're number one. No, is. We're number it's one. It's not so, just one guy, it's a whole.
0: We're a beacon. System is a, this institution, is a world.
1: Hundreds
0: of years in the making. Yeah. We're yeah. number one. We're a beacon of hope and of dreams coming true and um, the American dream. I don't know where this bullshit comes from.
1: Yeah, it's like everybody's like been posting about like NASCAR banning the Confederate flag. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not gonna applaud somebody for doing something that should have been done 150 years ago (laughs) when they lost the damn war. Like, what? Have you ever been to the Deep South?
0: Yes, many times.
1: Everything is named fucking Robert E. Lee Highway and Jefferson Davis Avenue and fucking it's ridiculous. It's crazy.
0: Uh, yeah, the uh, um, NASCAR—it's all—it's like a mistake branding-wise. You got to keep it Confederate. That's just a brand. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't really know anything about NASCAR. To be fair, so I'm trying to stay out of the fight. <laughs> it's like, saying, like it's like saying uh, you know, like Coca-Cola is just gonna not add sugar or any artificial ingredients. Give me a break. It's, it's all about.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the point is, really. I mean, I just, I just think Confederate. It was just even in the '90s, like I think when I was in high school, like they were talking about like controversy taking down the Confederate flag from a state capitol. I'm like, what? They lost the war like 150 years ago. Why is this? Why is this still going on?
0: I don't get it. They were considered traitors. Tra- yeah, I know. But, you know, you're a traitor. What is the word for when you uh, try to uh, sabotage your? They're all considered uh, traitors to the country because you know they tried. To, they ins- They were insur. Uh, insur. Causing insurrection against the uh, our government. I know, and I I and understand the freedom of speech and all that shit, but like
1: after World War II, like Germany was like. Yeah, that yeah, was fucking crazy. Like, we're gonna ban all right. Nazi propaganda ever. Right. Like, that that was fucking crazy. That was illegal. not a healthy so thing that we did. So, that legal. was terrible. Yeah. And but in America, it's just like ah, freedom of speech. Yeah. Goddamn, I got my rights. Like, this it's just like what? No, you don't. You, no, you fucking tried. Yeah. To see That's 150 crazy. years ago.
0: Yeah. Everything. I mean, I don't know. Where... crazy. It, yeah. it, it, it's still
1: around. Like, the people are still proudly put that fucking on their
0: fucking car, man. Yeah. But wear okay. shirts about it. Like, yeah. If they wear shirts at all. So you kind of have to be grateful. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Oh, wait a minute.
1: And, and to, to, uh, I don't, uh I...
0: I'm not talking about Southerners. I'm talking about, you know, the Confederate, fans of the Confederate uh, memorabilia and and, and uh, that type of thing. They're yeah, more, no, you know, I, I know. are yeah. not to wear shirts. Come on. But anyway, um, there are many people. I don't know. I think we have to let go of this idea that America is a beacon of whatever they think we're a beacon of. Because
1: every we're other. We're not a beacon of fucking anything,
0: man. Like we're just like it's a, it's a whole ex- thought experiment.
1: We're not a shining city on a hill. We're just, like, all people that have their own thoughts and ideas and are supposed to be able to share them and exchange them together. Like, it doesn't stand for anything. It's not supposed to. Like, we won some wars, and we weren't part of Europe during World War II, so our country didn't get damaged. So, like, we came out as economic superpowers because we weren't damaged. But, like, all in all, America is just kind of, like, a lucky fucking shot in the dark. And most of what it is is, is, is just, uh, it's just it's the beacon of ideas amongst people that are trying, they're supposed right. to be trying to improve them, right? Exactly. Trying <laughs> to idiot. make a better civilization. Yes. But the, the right. idea that we're number one and we're the fucking shiny city and the hill and all that yeah. is nonsense. Like that is ridiculous. That's we I are think. trying. That's all we're supposed to be doing. And we're supposed to be getting better at it and improving.
0: That's well said. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. All right. Let's leave it on that optimistic uh, note. Yeah, cool. you give me Seinfeld's number? (laughs) (laughs) Let's dump it. So your homework, then, My homework? is to watch uh, Captain Hindsight and Long-Hair Businessman. Captain Hindsight, Long-Hair Businessman, and catch up on Amos. Oh, Amos Poe. I don't know if you need to. Well, yeah. What listen to that that episode? Yeah. I don't. know. It's hard to find his films. so It's very hard. I I I, I couldn't. Uh, you know, in preparation when I had him on, I would, I I saw a couple of his films would be like on Fandor and on these obscure places to find films. You know, because his films just they're they're hard. Like a couple of his films I wanted to see, I just have not been able to find them anywhere ever. And you know, you can't just they have uh, Got lost well, in- I will I will look into it. But look into that episode anyway where he talks about Jarmish and John Lurie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. No,
1: I, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I I must know his work at some point because I'm so fascinated with that late 80s, early uh, 80s, or late 70s, early 80s uh, East yeah. Village art scene, you know. So I, I must have come across it at
0: some point, but well, I, I, I don't really revisit it. He had one or two attempts at Hollywood. Um, so... You can um, look him up. Oh, yeah. Good guy, though, I'll tell you that Looking much. I'm forward to it. I enjoy, I enjoy meeting him when, I, when he does it's come on twice. Yeah, well, yeah. good to catch up with you.
1: Oh, man. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm glad you're doing okay, and I hope things improve.
0: Thanks. Uh, I think they are. I'm going to just sort of go into. Uh, Hermit mode. <laughs> well, we're all hermits, so it's not really that. Big. Yeah, Wait, Just now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not that big of a shift. Yeah, I'm gonna be going, Well, I'm gonna be living a little bit out of the. Epi- I won't be in the epicenter. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, man, I-, I wish you luck with the move. I, I hope it's for the best, and uh, I hope to talk to you very soon. Yeah. Uh, before then, even you know, sure. and uh, yeah, it's just. Thank you It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Same here. Thank you. Yeah, same here.
0: All right. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day.
1: You do the same. And have a good weekend.
0: You too. All right. right, Take care. Cheers, mate. Good talking. So we uh, are going to be um, having folks from um, a, a new documentary about The Rock magazine, Cream, as well as the uh, team behind a new horror film called She Dies Tomorrow. I believe we'll have uh, Caitlin Shield back on the show. It's been a long time since she's been on. Jane Addams, a long time since she's been on. And Amy, Amy Simons. All three have been on the show before, but it's been many years. So I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing them back. Also, upcoming uh, return of... Uh, Patricia Fairchild and uh, Frank Mosley, both returning to the podcast regarding a new film called Freeland. We'll also have the directors of that show. They, they're all coming up. The author and musician, songwriter, multi-hyphenate Jim Infantino, Ramona Diaz, returning for her third visit. She has a new documentary about the Filipino president, uh, Duterte. It's It's harrowing. On the eve of the The suggestion by the uh, motherfucker in office suggesting possibly that we postpone the election. This is a, an important document. It's called A Thousand Cuts. And Ramona will be on the next episode to talk about that documentary. And of course, screenwriter Hampton Fancher, he wrote Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Also, Frank Santopadre <laughs> just texted with Frank yesterday. So I promise I will be posting this episode with Frank soon i promise i promise i promise okay guys i'm gonna uh get back to work here thank you for listening have a great week we'll be back in a few days with the brand new episode take care of yourselves and the ones you love